Hey everybody, welcome to the Pine Hills Church Podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm so grateful that you are tuning in, gathering with us through the podcast again. We are in our second week of our Whispers series. We're looking at what does it look like for God to speak to us today. Last week, we looked at how God loves to do life with us, and He longs to speak into our lives as He guides and leads us through His Spirit. And this requires that we learn to hear his voice in the pages of scripture primarily as, as the primary source until we learn to identify his voice that's happening in us and around us. And we gave a practice last week, but I want to encourage you to go back to the last podcast to give it a listen and to practice yourself. But this practice of what does it look like to actually pray through the scriptures by beginning by pausing, bringing yourself to awareness that God is with you. That he wants to encounter you and engage with you through the scriptures he wants you to read and reflect on what you're reading and to not go too quickly through the scriptures, not to just try to get information, but really reading for an encounter. And so you kind of read a, a passage of scripture, look for what might pop out to you and engage God in that conversation. And after you've read and reflected, read back over that passage one more time to see what else comes out to you, because the more that you mine the scriptures, the more gold that you're going to be able to bring out of it. And then you ask, ask God, what is it that you're, you're, at, you're teaching me in this? And what can I learn from it? How do I apply this to my life? And then we all need to practice yielding where we yield our way to God's way. And as we follow God, we know that our ways often lead us away from where we should go. So we want to yield to God, trusting that his ways are good and better. And so the acronym, if you've gotten it, is pray, is pause, read and reflect, ask God and then yield to his ways. And so this week, we're going to start by reading the text, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli, Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. I give you just a bit of context behind that passage. Why, why were the messages and visions of the Lord rare in that day? The message and visions were rare because of the state of the people of God. See, God dwells and speaks where his presence is actually desired. So often humanity wonders why God appears to be far off and unconcerned, but so often it's humanity who could care less about desiring to live with God and to hear from God. This is what was happening to the people of God who were experiencing terrible leadership that was leading the people into moral chaos and decline. During this time, God would send messengers 
to call the people of God back to faithfulness. But these messengers often failed at times. One of these messengers was Eli, who had served pretty faithfully, but failed to transition his leadership as he was nearing the end of his life. He tolerated his sons doing evil things instead of calling the people of God to live a life that's set apart. They failed themselves to live a life that was set apart from the evils that were happening in their culture. And instead of mirroring the character and nature of God, they were mirroring the corrupt character and nature of the people around them, which led to God raising up a new messenger, Samuel, who was a gift from God to a mother who spent years crying out that God would let her bear a son. And when that happened, when she became pregnant, she was so ecstatic that she dedicated her son to the service of God. And God was working through this to raise up a new voice that he would use to be a blessing to his people. Now Samuel, at this time, in the passage we just read, was still young, and he was sleeping in the tabernacle near the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant. And what was the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant? The tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant were physical representations of God's presence in the middle of the nation. See, if you know the story of God, you know that God began to work through a people group to be a missionary people to the rest of the world, to demonstrate his glory and his character, his nature to all the other nations around them. But too often they mirrored the other nations instead of mirroring God. And one of the things that God had given them were these physical representations of all that God had done for them, bringing them out of slavery, bringing them across the Red Sea, doing all of these miracles in the midst of their nation. It was to remind them that God was faithful and they needed to be faithful. It reminded them that God longed to live in the middle of his people. It's near this physical reminder, this Ark of the Covenant, that God's heart began to to speak out, to speak to his people again. He spoke to Samuel, Samuel. Samuel runs to Eli asking what he needs. Eli gets up because he's mostly blind, old, and probably tired. And this little boy, Samuel, is disturbing his sleep. I know I would be a little bit frustrated too. Eli says he didn't call him to go back to bed, as you do. This plays out three more times, and on the third time, 1 Samuel 3, 8b, then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling to the boy. So he said, Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Eli finally sees that is God trying to get Samuel's attention and instructs him when he hears the voice again to respond, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm here. I'm ready. I position myself. I'm waiting in anticipation. But I wonder how often that this might happen in our own lives. God whispers out, but we assume it is coming from some other source. So we simply just explain it away as something else. Again, last week we looked at how sometimes we expect to hear God in these very dramatic ways, but in most cases it comes as a gentle whisper, something out of the very ordinary. And maybe we didn't have anyone in our lives to guide us in this, to help us to know what this is like and how God speaks to us. Maybe next time that happens, we need to risk a little bit and to sit with God in that moment saying, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. See, as followers of God, we need to learn to practice stilling ourselves before God. 
allowing those inner anxieties and storms to calm, to tune out all the other voices aiming to distract us. It's then that we can hear the gentle whisper of the Lord. See, the promise in Matthew 7, 7 through 11 is that as we practice continual asking, seeking, and knocking, we will receive, we will find, and experience doors open that only God can open. Because God is a good God and he longs to give the gift of his presence in increasing measure. So maybe it's not that God can't be found, but that we are shaped too much by a culture of immediate gratification. I want it my way and I want it now. Maybe instead of learning the awkwardness of learning to follow God, being guided by a gentle whisper, we want God to speak more clearly. So let's look at that in the Bible, because the problem is in the Bible, when God does speak very clearly, or when God demonstrates or shows himself through angels or his presence of God, when he does that, it doesn't always go well. See, Daniel is a pretty famous guy from the Bible for not bowing to political pressure that attempted to make prayer illegal. And then when Daniel continued to pray, he was found guilty and thrown into a lion's den, but God helped keep him safe through the night by shutting the mouths of the lions. Well, in Daniel 8, Daniel sees a vision from God communicated by an angel, and Daniel faints. He's overcome by sickness for several days before he actually gets back to work. Isaiah, who is one of the most well-known prophets who beautifully foretells that Jesus is coming to be the Savior of the world, sees this amazing vision of the throne room of God in Isaiah 6, verses 1-5. through 5. It says it was in the year King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the terrain of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, or angels, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Essentially, Isaiah's reaction is I'm dead. Zechariah, who was a priest who would enter the temple to carry out priestly duties on behalf of the entire nation, got to see an angel named Gabriel. It's really rare in the Bible that any name angels are named. I think Gabriel might be the only one. The same angel who scared Daniel. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, it says Gabriel tells him that God was going to bless him and his wife with the baby in their old age after living most of their lives barren. But Zechariah doesn't believe him. So Gabriel makes Zechariah mute until his words come true and the baby is born. Saul, who would later be called Paul, who is one of the greatest missionaries, church planters, and theological thinker, thinkers that the world has ever seen, used to go around rounding up Christians to have them jailed and killed until he encountered Jesus on a dusty back road. See, Jesus appeared and asked him why he was persecuting him. The encounter left Paul blind for three days until Jesus spoke to a guy named Ananias to go to Paul to pray for him that he might be healed and be filled with God's Spirit. Ananias isn't sure. Imagine the anxiety. He knows how Paul had been going around killing people, having people killed, having people jailed who were followers of the way. Now God was asking him as a follower of the way to go and to lay hands on him and to see him have his vision restored. And that 
God was going to give him a vision, give Paul a vision for what Paul would be doing for the rest of his life. Acts 9 verses 15 through 16 says, But the Lord said, Go, for Saul or Paul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as to people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. See, people even didn't recognize Jesus when he was with them. In Luke 24, 28 through 32, it says, By this time they were entering Emmaus. In the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on because Jesus had spent all his time walking this dirt road with these couple of followers who were fleeing the city because they were unsure after Jesus had died. They had kind of heard reports that he had resurrected, but they were unsure. And Jesus is explaining all of these things to them, but they don't recognize him to be Jesus, even though they're followers. And Jesus, as they're coming into their city, Jesus acts like he's about to go on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as, we talk, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So even when God speaks audibly, people have mixed experiences of what that even sounds like. John 12, 12, 27 through 30, it says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus told them the voice was for your benefit, not for mine. So I say all of this to say that God can speak in some pretty sensational ways, but most often he is going to speak to us in a gentle whisper in all of the very ordinary moments of life. The gentle whisper is going to show up in different ways to each of us because we're each unique and our relationship is unique to God. But this is primarily going to come, I think, internally, externally at times, and we'll look at what that looks like next week. But this week, we're going to just look at a few internal ways that God might whisper to us. One primarily is always going to be through the Word of God as we're reading the Scriptures, as we're engaging that, whether we're people who just simply read or we need it read to us through some amazing audio books that are Bibles that are out there today. But we're listening or reading the Bible and these things that pop out to us. Maybe these internal whispers from God as He's illuminating things that we want to, that He wants us to learn, things that we need to grab onto, verses that are going to help hold us in the middle of the night when we're struggling and doubting in our faith. God is going to speak through His Word. That's always going to be the primary source to everything, is always going to be in the Word. And anytime there's any kind of other thing that comes through, we always need to get back to the Word and use that as our grounding source to understanding anything that we might hear. God's also going to speak through Jesus and through the power of his Holy Spirit. Again, it's the Holy Spirit that's illuminating God's word to us, but also the character and nature of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's always pointing back to Jesus. So when we're reading through the Gospels and there's things in our life that God wants us to learn about Jesus to become more like him, he's going to illuminate that to us, but he's also going to empower us to begin to walk that out. 
to be people of love, people who are going to love our enemies and turn the other cheek and people who are going to offer grace and people who are going to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God and people who are going to lay hands on people and pray for them and see them healed. We're going to do the stuff that Jesus did while he was here on earth, but we're going to be empowered by God to do that. And God's going to prompt us through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to do these things. We'll have these inner whispers that inside that lead and guide us, that prompt us to pray for someone or prompt us even maybe to text someone, to encourage someone. These things come from God. And then through prayer, as we learn to, to sit with God, that daily being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and then doing what Jesus would have us to do. Prayer is always talking with God, but it's also the act of learning to listen. And we'll focus a little bit more on that today. And then God's also going to speak through revelation, discernment, and wisdom. He's going to help us to, to be able to, the Holy Spirit's going to help connect the dots to different things, or the Word's going to connect in our daily life. It's that revelation that's coming from God. It's that aha moment that everything finally kind of clicks. Or being able to discern when we go to God in prayer and we have a decision that we need to make. And God just gives us the right discernment to make. We either have these these gut feelings at times are like, Hey, that, that doesn't feel like it's the way I don't have peace about that. Or something feels very much like I need to step into that. God's going to give us discernment through the power of his spirit. He's going to give us wisdom beyond our years. And at, at times when we're talking with people or praying with people, God might whisper wisdom or help us bring to light some wisdom that he has stored deep down within us. And that's going to come out and it's going to be helpful for us. It's going to be helpful for other people. And I want you to also get this one. There's dreams, visions, and pictures that God can speak through. Some people, when God speaks to them, might just have a connection back to the Bible. Some might have a, a word that just kind of, you know, it, it's illuminated. When we share that word with someone else, or that word might be powerful for us. We could share it with other people too, as we'll look at that too next week. But some of us are, are just super visual people. And when we sit down with God, maybe God doesn't speak words to us, but maybe we have these, these visions that come into our mind or our heart. Maybe we have these dreams that God is birthing in us that we can't shake, dreams to do incredible things that are way outside our comfort zone, things we would never do on our own, things that we could only do if we believe and follow God into these things, those type of things God is going to birth in us. And it's going to come through these gentle whispers or these pictures as God gives us these images of things that, that really help us along the way. See, a lot of that is, is pretty subjective stuff. And I'm going to be honest about that. That could be hard. And some people might be a little bit timid about that and they might shy away from some of this because some of it could be subjective. But I want you to, to make sure that we don't shy away from something just because it's going to require some faith. It's going to require some difficulty while we're learning some of this. It might be trial and error, and there's going to be times when we get things wrong at times, and that's okay. We need guidelines to help come around what this is. So when we have anything that we feel like God is speaking to us, we need to, first of all, just be very humble in that. But we need to make sure that everything grounds back to Scripture. Is this, is this something that I see God doing in the Bible? Is this, see, is this something I see Jesus doing? And if it's not grounded in scripture, then it can't be of God because God will never contradict himself. 
but so many times where God's using a web of communication to talk to us all the time. And so he's speaking things in his word. He's speaking things around us. He's speaking things through other people. And all of a sudden these things just kind of come together. It's a web of communication that brings clarity and, and it brings focus as God asks us to step into things. It's going to come alive through the scripture. We need to continue to ask for clarification from God to bring that in prayer. God, am I hearing the right thing? We need to discuss what we're hearing and seeing with other wise followers of Jesus who are a lot further down the road. We need to have these mentors in place in our life. So we need to have these guidelines, not to be afraid to ask God to speak and to be expecting God to speak and have eyes open to what God might be saying or doing or what God might be showing us. But we need these guidelines just to have some rails around that to keep us safe. We each need to remember that each of us are going to be unique. And we each communicate with each other differently and we receive communication differently. See, even in a relationship and a marriage where you get to live together with someone in a covenant, one of the most difficult things in, in marriage is communication. A lot of people break up because of communication, even though they're seeing each other in flesh, even though they're talking to each other, we get communication wrong all the time. So what's going to happen when God is someone we don't see that we're guided internally through his spirit by? It means we're going to get communication wrong at times. So even in a marriage, you keep coming back to the table and you keep talking things out. Even when there's conflict or when there's things that arise, you need to come coming back. What, what is the thing that I heard? Did I misunderstand? What are you trying to say? Like, how can I help in this? And you work together to work out the communication. See, prayer and hearing from God is the exact same way. And it's it's our job to keep bringing that communication back to God until you work that to the ground, until you have complete clarity on what that might be. And then even when we're communicating, we need to make sure we're tuning out all other voices. Just as in when you're going to have a conversation with your spouse, you need to make sure you're not scrolling social media because you're not really going to be paying attention to what they're saying. It's the same thing. We need to tune out all other voices that distract so that we could tune into the voice that changes everything. If God's deepest desire is to have a relationship with you and to communicate with you, then Satan is going to do everything he can to blockade that communication, to confuse it, to discredit it. And Satan is the father of lies. What is interesting, and it is so easy for us to believe lies. If someone tells you five things, four of them are good and positive, but one is negative and a lie, most of the time our brains are going to latch onto that lie. So we need to fight against the fight that Satan is trying to bring. How do we do that? How do we fight against what Satan is trying to do? One, by making intentional space to tune out all of these other voices so that we can let all this other stuff wash away, the things inside of us to settle down so that we can hear the voice of God. Here's how to make intentional space to tune out all these other voices. You need to create intentional quiet space in your life where there's actually quiet to embrace the quiet, which is awkward and hard. And so many of us have so much noise in our life that we never actually sit in a quiet room. But just setting like even an alarm on your phone, just giving it two minutes of just learning to embrace a quiet life and just practicing that over time, letting that be a small stepping stone into bigger moments of more and more quiet. You'll you'll be you'll be amazed at how amazing that could be for your spiritual life. By giving your anxieties and struggles to God and asking for his presence and his peace in the midst of that. 
when we're trying to sit with God, a lot of times these things are just going to bubble up to the top. And it's this act of learning to give this over to God, to release control, that I don't even have to worry about that right now, that I can trust God in this moment. God's going to keep me in his hands, that things aren't going to fall apart. This might not always feel like the most productive thing to do in your day, but I guarantee you it will be one of the most productive things you do in your day. Be with God. Give him a few minutes every day. Make space to tune out all these other voices. Learn to get quiet with yourself so that way you can hear God better. Next thing is listening and being comfortable with silence. Recognizing that sometimes the silence and the stillness is the gift. So many times when we come and we sit with God for a couple minutes, we engage God in prayer and we give God just a couple minutes. God, whatever you want to do in this moment, God, I just want to hear from you. And even if I don't, I just want to know that you're here and that you're the gift and you're enough. And sometimes God will just give us peace in a moment, just a few minutes of peace a few minutes of stillness, a few minutes of quietness before we engage the rest of our day, which might be chaotic and crazy. Sometimes stillness is the gift and we need to recognize that. When we latch onto a lie, we need to make sure that we're con confronting it with truth. So many times our brains just buy into the lies and we let that thing just replay over and over and over in our head. And the only way to actually confront the lie is to have truth. And we need to confront the lie with truth more often than the lie is replaying in our head. So if the lie has just been constantly going, we need to constantly be telling truth to combat it, to fight it down until the true thing becomes the immediate thing that our brain goes to, to retrain our brain in the way that it should go. We need to surround ourselves with godly voices. There's godly voices around you. Those voices that you surround yourself with are going to help to determine the trajectory of your life. So who are those closest people? Who are those mentors that you've asked to be part of your life that can speak into your life? What are the things that you're watching and listening to? What are the things you're reading? Are these things leading you in the way you should go? Are they helping you become a better person? Are they making you become the person that God knows that you can be? Are they leading you in a different direction? Are they just distracting you and causing you to, to waste time? What does that look like in your life? And then the last thing, and I'm sure there's a lot other, more other things we could have wrote down, but the last one is to limit social media, news, or other negative voices. To turn those way down or turn them off completely. See, our brains were never meant to, to see the constant barrage of negative news that we see on a daily basis. To see constant war, constant violence. It does something pretty negatively profound to our minds and our hearts and our spirits. And so sometimes we just got to tune that out, maybe to have that very limited. One or two times a week, you tune into what that might look like. And if something is big enough, I guarantee you're going to hear about it. So I think you can go a few days without tuning into any of those things, much less turning those things on each and every day or looking at social media, which is we all know at this point. It's an algorithm feeding you stuff that it thinks that you want to see so that way you'll keep looking at the social media platform longer and longer and longer. Or recognizing that what people put online is not their worst selves, is often their best selves or their most curated selves. And so, so many times we're comparing, and we all know this, yet we continue to do it, comparing our everyday 
kind of very ordinary life to a lot of stuff that people are curating online or at some point now there's so many people who are able to do that full time and their job is to just go on these amazing adventures and be in these amazing places and they get paid based upon how many people are viewing their content or what ads they're selling or what ad revenue they're getting so we just need to recognize that sometimes we need to limit that and pull it all back so that way we can tune into who god is and so the practice that I want to give you this week is we're recognizing all of those things. And hopefully at this point, you feel very like inspired to continue to learn to practice what it's like to actually hear the voice of God. Even if that's scary for you, even if you have lots of doubts or questions in the midst of that, God is present with you and he wants to lead you through all of these things. And we want to be in partnership with you in that too. One thing as a community we want to do is practice what it looks like to practice silence and solitude. There are so many different things that we can talk about this, but man, we just want you to start very simply just by taking a few minutes a day at the end of your, your prayer time. Like as you practice the different things with pausing to, as you're going to the scripture, pausing, recognizing that God's with you, taking a deep breath, settling your anxieties reading, reflecting, and rereading the scriptural passage, allowing it to speak to you and not just reading for information, asking what God might have you to do in the midst of that, yielding your way, just in the midst of that, or maybe even at the end of that, taking an intentional few minutes. And so sometimes even taking a timer, and I know that sounds very unspiritual, but sometimes we need to train ourselves in the way that we should go. And sometimes that means we need to set the timer so that way we're not just like assuming because we always assume the best stuff about ourselves. Like, oh yeah, like I spent so much time with God and we spent very minimal amount of time with God. So maybe it's just setting that timer for two minutes or maybe if you've been doing it a while, setting that timer for a little bit longer and stretching yourself a bit. Set your that timer for two, three, four, five minutes, whatever that might be. Start small. And just to say, God, I know you've been speaking through your words. I just want to thank you for that. But I just want to give you some extra space in case you want to tell me something about my day or you want to speak something to me. I just want to listen. Just as Samuel said, God, your servant is here. And I know that you speak in all kinds of ways. I pray that you would teach me the way that I should go. Teach me how to hear your voice. Teach me how to see you. And just spade, just take time to listen and to learn to be quiet and comfortable with that. And learn if God doesn't necessarily bring a word or a scripture or a picture or something to mind, remember that sometimes the greatest gift that God can give you is the gift of having peace in a still moment before you go off to your crazy day. So, so we want to invite you into that. If you have any questions about that, please make sure you find us at www.pinehillschurch.org. You can connect with us there. If you're local, you can schedule a coffee and we get together and just talk about what this looks like. But remember, we're a community that's centered around practicing the way of Jesus together. So we don't want to just talk about these ideas to pat ourselves on the back that we had good theological conversation. We reflected on God. What we want to do is be a people, a community who really wants to practice 
these things that lead us to become who Jesus wants us to be so that we can then do the things that Jesus would have us to do. And it all starts by learning just to be with Jesus in the midst of very mundane moments of life, in the midst of things that feel so ordinary, in the midst of practices that feel like at times maybe it feels like a waste of time. But no time that you dedicate to God is ever wasted. God's always going to breathe so much life into that. And you're going to take these these skills or just this peace with you throughout the rest of your day. Or you're going to end your day with the peace of God. And so learn to fit this in however that fits into your schedule. Maybe that's just one time in the morning. Maybe that's a few times through the day. Maybe that's once in the evening. But you get creative. You ask God where that fits in your day. You create the intentional space. You say no to other things so you can say yes to the best thing. And if you have questions, again, we would love to have conversations with you about it. So reach out, pinehillschurch.org. If not, we'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.